Good evening, everybody. Um, okay, so last night I davened Mariv at a, uh, another shul in my neighborhood, not my own shul. My own shul davened Mariv at 10.15 and sometimes too late. I'm not going out so late at night. So I davened at 9 o'clock minion and someone came over to me after davening and said, um, said I have a, do you mind if I ask for Shiloh? No, I never mind. In fact, I need Shilohs for my Thursday night shoes. That would be great. So, uh, so he said, um, he said that last Thursday night in, in this shul in North Woodmere, not, not my shul, this, this other shul, Rabbi uh, Shai Shachter was giving a shear and in, he was a guest speaker. And in that shear, he mentioned in passing that if a person has a baby, um, that was conceived through in vitro fertilization, then and the baby's born on Shabbos, and it's a boy that Rav Shachter holds that the Mila is not Docha Shabbos, and you can't do the bris on Shabbos. So this guy's sitting there thinking, my four year old son <laughs> was born through, was conceived through in vitro fertilization, and uh, he was born on Shabbos. And we had his bris on Shabbos. The mole never asked me how he was conceived. The mole asked, you know, when he was born, what time he was born. The conception was never, you know, that was not, not part of the, uh, the checklist of things that he asked me about. So he had several shaylas now. He wanted to know, first of all, does he have to do a toughest down bris on his son? Because the meal was done, apparently, incorrectly. I'm saying, why is that Oh, so that's all part of the answer, right? Um, and second, he wanted to know, does he owe the moel anything, or at least an apology, you know, to call him up and say, four years ago I made you be Michal Shabbos, <laughs> sorry. Um, and, and what, you know, some offshoots of this question might be, if this is a machlokas, which we'll soon discover, it is a machlokas, it's not so pashat at all, that the meal was not Docha Shabbos. I mean, Rav Shai Shachter presented his father's shita. He did not present his Rebbe's shita, Rav Asher Weiss, who, uh, who says the opposite, who says that, of course, the Mila is Docha Shabbos. So what if you have a situation where the Moel holds a certain way and the Avia Ben holds the other way? So then what? Meaning, let's say the Moel holds... I, I spoke to my brother. I emailed my brother. That's, I call it speaking already because I don't speak to anyone. But I emailed my brother, and uh, my brother's a Moel and, and, and a very big Talmud Chacham. And I asked him what he, what he thought about, uh, he's a very big Talmud Chacham, and a Moha. And I asked him what he thought about, uh, about Hatafas Dam Bris in this situation. He said, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Who doesn't do the Bris on Shabbos? It's insanity. Absolutely, I wouldn't even dream about Hatafas Dam Bris in this, this kind of case. So my, my brother has a very strong, strongly held opinion. Um, what if, uh, you know, he wants to do a Mila for, let's say, Talmud uh, Rebbe Shechter, who holds that the bris should not be done on Shabbos, can the Avia Ben allow for the Milu to be done? I'm, I'm not going to be Mechal Shabbos. The Mole thinks it's not Chil Shabbos. Good, let him do it. Can he allow the Mole to do it in that situation? So that's also an interesting twist on this uh, on this on this question. Or if you know that the Mole holds that it's Asr, you hold that it's Mutter. But the mole never asked how the baby was conceived. Can you leave him in the dark about how the baby was conceived? You don't think he's doing it, sir. If he would know, then he would think he's doing it, sir. So you have, the, you have that, that, that angle also. So that was the interesting Shiloh that came up last night. A couple of un- other interesting Shilohs that came up this week, but to touch on topics that we've discussed in the past, someone asked me, told me a, a guy told me his father-in-law uh, had purchased a shul in the Bronx. So, uh, I don't know if you've been to the Bronx lately, but outside of uh, Riverdale, uh, there aren't really any shuls in the Bronx. 
they're pretty much all dying out. Long, long ago, people moved to the suburbs and people are not, there aren't that many uh, Orthodox Jews left in the Bronx. So this shul was really hanging on for the longest time. It was mamish hanging on as long as it could. The rabbi was Moser Nefesh for years and years to try to make sure that there's a million there and to try to keep it going. And, um, and ultimately it fell apart. Ultimately, the, obviously, there's no minion there anymore and the shul had to be sold. So they, they sold to this fellow who's a from guy and his non-Jewish partner. And they bought this building and uh, they, they promised the rabbi that whatever's done with it, they're going to clear with halachic authorities first before they you know, make the next move. And they put it up for a bid to see who offers it. What's the highest bid on a building that has a large sanctuary and some, uh, some small rooms in a social hall. So obviously the biggest bid is going to come from the church. So he wants to know, is he allowed to sell, is he allowed to, sell to a church? On the, almost the flip side of that, he got a, uh, an email from another, another uh, person, another Talmud uh, Chacham, who said that he runs a day camp in the summer, and his day camp is getting bigger, Kananahara, because uh, the Jewish community where he runs his day camp is getting bigger, I guess, and he runs a successful program, and they need extra space, and there is a church that has a school that's affiliated with the church that really could use the extra income because they're falling apart a little bit, and they're willing to rent it out to the day camp for the summertime. So is he allowed to rent the space from the church school? Okay, so those are the three shadows. We have the IVF, Bris and Shabbos, Hatafzdam, Bris Shaila, the selling the church building and the day camp uh, in the church, Shaila. Okay, first Shaila, okay, good. That's what I wanted to talk about. All these stories <laughs> off of that Shaila. So, so, okay. So, um, where in the world would this come from? That, uh, that if a baby is conceived using in vitro fertilization, that the boy born on Shabbos, the meal is not going to be Docha Shabbos? That that would, when do we say a meal is not? So a little bit of background. When is a meal not Docha Shabbos? When is a meal yes Docha Shabbos? So these are all Gemaras in Parakablaz with the meal. And Shabbos, Tav Kuflam, and hey, the Gemara says, Mila is only Docha Shabbos if the mother is Tmea Tomas Leida. If she doesn't have Tomas Leida, then the meal is not Docha Shabbos. How can a mother not be Tmea Tomas Leida? So what's the classic example? Where uh, a C section, right? If the baby is what they call a Yotse Dofen, they cut the mother open and take the baby out that way. So it's not a normal Derech Rechem uh, birth. So the meal is not going to be Docha Shabbos. And therefore, Shulfarach Paskins in Yardes and Reh Samach Vav, Sif Yud, pretty explicitly, that a C-section is, uh, is not Docha Shabbos. have it right here. Sif Yud. Katan Shanolad. No, that's Katan Shanolad. Somewhere around there. Yeah, that, it, that, uh, that it's not Docha Shabbos. Simen Reish Samach Vav. Simen Reish Samach Vav. I wrote that in my notes, Sif Yud. But I don't see it in Sifyud. But okay, it's somewhere around there. That uh, that the meal is not Docha Shabbos when uh, when the baby's born with a when the baby comes out via C section. Fine. So that is when the baby was when the mother's not tummy to Maslada. So now that's that's the key. And she's not that's the rule to remember. If the mother's not tummy to Maslada, then the baby's Mila is not going to be Docha Shabbos. There is a Gemara in Chagiga, Dafyodali. Amid Beis, where the Gemara discusses a besula shenis abra, a what? A besula that becomes pregnant. How does one pull off such a trick of a besula shenis abra? So the Gemara says, well, w- what do we do with that situation? If a girl comes and says, 
Yeah, the, the Gemara is an expression. You know, the, the, the evidence is there that she's not a basula. So how could she say she's a basula shenis abra in our religion? How could she say she's a basula shenis abra? So the Gemara says that, uh, well, there are two possibilities. It could be bia bahataya, that uh, the Gemara, the beginning of Ksuvis, talks about how Shmuel, there were certain people who were bikiim, they knew how to have bia in such a way not to remove the basulim. So it could be that it was bia bahataya. It was bia done in a way that uh, would not uh, take away her basulim. Or the other possibility is nisabra ba'ambatya. Nisabra ba'ambatya means she took a bath, a man took a bath, in the bath, the man ejaculates in the bath. Woman then goes in the bath afterwards. The man's shechvazera enters the woman's body. There you have it, Basula, she's pregnant. So those are the two possibilities that the Gemara has. Lemaynaf kemina, whether she became pregnant one way or the other. So pashtus, the way Rob Rishon understands is, well, we need to know she has suru l'koyin gadol. Because the bu'ula is a suru l'koyin gadol. So if she falls in love with the Kohen Gadol, Kohen Gadol wants to marry her, we need to know if we have to have a difficult conversation with the Kohen Gadol and her and say, sorry, this shidduch is not meant to be, or don't worry, it was just the bathtub and it's fine and there's no, there was no bia, so you're not a bu'ul at all. That's the Pashup shot in the Gemara. However, Rabbeinu Hanana, on the spot, in Chagiga Daf Yadal, it explains the Gemara entirely differently. And Rabbeinu Hanana writes, O Dilma Hadish the idea of being boel uh, bataya, you know, on some angle or whatever, that doesn't happen really. You know what might happen? She might have, uh, we have to be choshesh, that she might have gone into a bathtub, and that's how she became pregnant. Pirish, Isha Hara, a pregnant woman that we check, and her basulam are still there, they did a medical examination. Do we assume that she had Bia and therefore it's a normal pregnancy and therefore it's going to be a normal birth and everything's going to be normal, tuma, normal, normal, normal? Odilma, Emur Bambati Shomerchatz Nesabra, Kigon Shiyarad Ishposa Ambati, Upalat Shechvazera, the man goes into the bath. He's polit shechvazera v'yardi isha v'kirva bos atipa shel shechvazera. She manages to run into that uh, drop of shechvazera v'nichlas b'toch rachma v'nisabra. Then here it is. Says the Rabbi Nachmanel v'zeh ma'isa nisimhu, and that is a miracle v'einat mea leida. And because it's a miracle, when she gives birth nine months later, she's not going to be tmea leida. She'ena nikori ba isha kisazria. Because you can't say Isha Kisazria. It's not Isha Kisazria. It was an Isha that happened to be, in a, to be in a bathtub, and the Zera found her. So that's not an Isha Kisazria. And it's all a Maisenisim, and because it's all a Maisenisim, there's no Tomas Leda. Wow! So now that you have that Rabbeinu Hanan, we understand where Postcom are coming from a little bit. So Shlomo Zalman, in Mincha Shlomo Chela Gimel, Shimon Sadi Ches, Oz Dalid, and he's also quoted in Yabia Omer by Ravadia. Chelak Zayin Yaradeya Simen Chav Dalid Os Hey. Rishon Zalman says, "Well, according to this, uh, Rabbeinu Chananel, what does he mean? She's not Tami Tumas Leda because what? How would you explain this? She's not Tami Tumas Leda because he said because it was Meisa Nisim. So does that mean that if she becomes pregnant miraculously, she's not Tami Tumas Leda, or is the emphasis more on the fact that you can't say Isha Kisazria?" she didn't become pregnant in the normal way. And that's why she's not Tamei Tumas Leida. 
whether it's it has to be miraculous to save him from Tumasleda, or whether it just has to be not the normal way. Well, a very big nafkamina. Nafkamina would be IVF. Is it a miracle that IVF? I mean, we like to refer to things as miracles, and it is amazing that people nowadays are able to have families that a couple of decades ago would have been told, forget it, you're never going to, you know, just adopt, you're never going to have children. And uh, it's, it's amazing. The, the world of fertility is, uh, you know, fertility treatments is incredible, ever-expanding, ever-growing, and it's unbelievable. It's, it's incredible. So we, we call it, but it's not a nace in the sense that we can explain it scientifically. We know exactly how it works. So it's not like, uh, you know, that, that it comes out of nowhere. It's not, it's not mamish my sinisim. So Rosh Hashanah says he's not sure. Does Rabbeinu Khan mean that there's no Tumas because it was a miracle? IVF is not a miracle. It's, uh, it's something scientific. We, have, we, we believe in science. We believe that, uh, that science makes sense and that uh, Rosh Hashanah always likes to point out a lot of times people think that everything in Judaism is a skula. No, we believe in two things. We believe in mitzvahs and mitzvahs and him being able to accomplish things, and we believe in science also. We believe in reality, in uh, the, uh, the realities of science and medicine and everything as we know them. We don't believe in all the other narishkeit and all the schools and everything else that uh, you, know, you do this and uh, that will happen. We don't believe in that kind of thing. So Shafter commented in the Shia recently that uh, there's uh, someone in Eretzal put out a book where he said that Chazal, um, that anyone who thinks Chazal, Chazal's knowledge of medicine was limited to the medicine that was known at their time, and that they didn't have some deep insight al piruach hakodesh in terms of medicine, in terms of science, is not pikores. So Shafta said, so I guess the chasam sofer is not pikores, and I am too. So okay, we believe in uh, in science. We believe that it's okay for Rabbanim to consult with science and to understand whatever the latest scientific innovations. It's not a nace. It's science that IVF works. Yeah. Why is the I'll piece science that could happen. We'll see, just, we can say, you know, we could track everything exactly how it happened, where it happened, when it happened. Could it happen? Um, probably not very. No, not it can't. Very, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't really happen. So the, there has to be some sort of force that pushes the zera in. It doesn't, and it also would be it wouldn't be able to last. It doesn't. Uh, it's not. It's not. For years, people wondered. Why does Gemara talk about such a silly case that's never ever possible to happen? And then when they come up, came up with uh, artificial insemination, they realized, oh, all those shilas that are discussed in that construct are going to help us. How else would you be able to deal with questions of artificial insemination about determining fatherhood and determining all these things? And mamzerus and you know uh, whether if the woman becomes pregnant as a nida, all these things. How would we ever know if we didn't have a sugya of an Bati? It's one of those great things that history sort of answered for us. Why Chazal needed to build these constructs? that are impossible, really, because they build constructs that we could then, we could then work with. Rav Weiss likes to say that there are certain shaylas nowadays that, that we really need tanayim to, to answer. That there just aren't, there aren't enough sugyas to be able to really plug in, plug in to, to certain shaylas that come up nowadays. But some shaylas, the tanayim taka did answer. They did deal with it. But in terms of reality, I don't think, uh, I'm not a doctor, I don't think it could happen. Yeah. What does it mean, Ishoki says really? Uh, okay, so we got to get to that also. So what does it sound like he's saying? <laughs> that he says, it sounds like it's saying that she has to be part of the Maisabiya. Well, what exactly do you need her to do? So, okay, we'll get to that also. So, Rosham Zalman, again, he's not sure. Does Rabbi Lechanan mean there's no Tomas Leda because it was a miracle, in which case IVF is not a miracle, or because it was unconventional? That's not the normal way that a person gets pregnant, and IVF is also not the conventional way that a person gets pregnant. 
So in that Shuvin Yabiya Omer, he quotes of Shomazam Rabbah holds that the definition of Kisazriya is that the man the woman has to help be Mazriya the man. Which means that if the woman didn't cause the man to be Mazriya, then that's not Isha Kisazriya. Then she's not gonna be Tommy Thomas Leda. So she she did it, meaning he was Mazriya however he was, and they did uh you know, the, an IVF, they put the, the Zara and the Beta together and they made a, they made, and they made a, uh, you know, an embryo and they implanted it in her. She's developing a baby, though. She's developing a baby, she didn't cause the man to be Mazria for the Zara to come out. And therefore, Zalman Zalman said, it's not Isha Kisazria. And if it's not Isha Kisazria, there's no Tomas Leda. The baby's born as a result of this. Nine months later, it looks like a normal baby, normal delivery, everything fine. Mila's not to Shabbos. So says Zalman Zalman. Would, would, that, would that mean the same thing by Onis, or does that mean that since physically she's helping him be Mazriya? No, I think physically he is. Yeah, so by, by, by uh, an Onis it would be uh, Rahman al Islam, the, the, the Mila would be Dokha Shabbos. So Ravasha Weiss has a truth on this topic, and he says. Why, mm, does, that be, why does that be dependency whether you have Thomas Leda in order to be Dokha Shabbos? That's what, that's, that's the, that's what the, uh, the Gemara <coughs> says, meaning uh, that's the Gemara in Shabbos, Kofla Mudai. Gemara Dashin's that way. That in order for me to be Dokha Shabbos. Yeah. So that's that's the Gemara Shabbos. So that, right, that's why I said that's a given, right? We have to take that as like a given. So the Gemara, so the Ravasher points out. Where is it? Where is it? What? Where is it? The um, I found it on his website. On the, uh, I was about to say Tanuva, that's the cheese company, right? Tavuna. <laughs> on the Tavuna website. But it's probably in his Chubas. It's probably been published in his Chubas. I don't know, but it's probably in his shuvas. I'm sure you could find it. So uh, in Mincha Sasha, he writes that even if it's unconventional, it may mean that it's unusual. Meaning, even if you say that Pshad and Rabbi Nechanano doesn't mean that it has to be a nace in order for not to be Tommy Thomas Leda. He may, he may mean, even if you say that an unconventional way of becoming pregnant means she's not Tommy Thomas Leda. says, Ravasha, I'm still not convinced that in this case the Mila won't be Dokha Shabbos, that in this case it's not going to be Tommy Tomas Leda. Because what does the word unconventional mean? Unconventional might mean Shalokiderach. That it means that it's, it's completely abnormal. And he quotes Rav Al-Khanan, Kovit Shurim, Ksuvasos Reish Gimel, Rav Al-Khanan says like this. Rav Al-Khanan says that, that when, when we say that it's not the normal way, it means like a Melacha Shalokiderachim. So what defines what's Kiderach and what's not Kiderach? Hakalafiyam Makam Vazman. If it's normal in that time, in that location, then, that, <coughs> then that's normal. So if it's, it's true, this Abraba and Batya in the days of the Gemara is abnormal. That was an, un, an abnormal thing to happen. But nowadays, there are millions of children in this world right now that were conceived this way. So very difficult to say that it's Shalokiderach. You, you want to tell me that it's not the conventional, normal way of conceiving a child, true. But is it Shalok Hiderach? Is it, you're going to call it something that's like with a Shinoi? Almost like a Malach with a Shinoi? Yeah? Where does it tip? Where does it tip? Uh, what does it tip? From unconventional, yes, what's the percentage? That's a good question. I'm not sure. But something that's like done, Meisim B'chol Yom in hospitals. Now the truth is, Ravasher, you know, is the posting of a hospital. So sometimes you're biased by your own experiences. And like he sees this every day. And he's especially involved in the fertility in Shari Tzedek, no less, where 
could imagine it's uh, quite a robust element of uh, the hospital <laughs> is uh, you know with the, the fertility. So uh, so he's like, what are you talking? There are millions of. Uh, he just actually spoke. Rav Ashwai spoke in Woodmere, and uh, David Fold from here uh, introduced him. And Rav Asha said the uh, he Dafka pointed out that the, the the section of the hospital that deals with this with these kinds of things, and he said how many hundreds of families. Owe their families to David Fold because I guess he must have given a lot of money to that part of the hospital, or he must have done something. So um, anyway, so the um, so Ravash says. So again, we have we have two pas- We have this Rabbi Nachmanano that it's Meisenisim, and therefore she's not Tami to Masleida. So Rosham Zalman said it depends what he means by that. If he means that if it's a nace, well IVF is not a nace, so she would be Tami to Masleida. But if he means that it's just unconventional, well, IVF is unconventional. So she, she, would, she would still not be Tamita Masleida and they can't do the Milan Shabbos. Says Rav Asher, even if it means unconventional, it may mean Shalom Kiderech. In which case, this is Kiderech and she's Tamita Masleida with IVF and the Milan would be Dovcha Shabbos. So even if you say like the Tzad of Shalom Zalman wants to say to be Machmir not to do the Milan Shabbos, Rav Asher says he still thinks he might be able to do the Milan Shabbos. Yeah, so it could mean that. We're not sure. We're not sure. Now, where else does the Sarban Bati play a role in halacha? Does it, is there any other nafkamina halacha to a woman being uh, impregnated without without a bia? So the Taz in Yardeh is from Kufzadiyeh Be'archakos Nida. Kufzadiyeh is where we talk about what a man and his wife are allowed to do and not allowed to do when she is a Nida. So the Taz of their rights that a woman can sit on her husband's sheets when she is a Nida even though there might be zera on the sheets and it might impregnate her, but not on somebody else's sheets, not on some other guy's sheets, because she can become pregnant as a nida as long as there's no mysabia. So you see that uh, idea, that apparently there's this assumption that leftover zera can impregnate a woman, just like the Sabra Bambatia. Chalkas Mechokek, another place in Ebenezer, in the beginning of uh, Ebenezer, in Seminalev, has a discussion whether what we can fulfill Puravu within the Sabra Bambatia. Is it a key mitzvah pruvu on the, the father? Now, whatever the whatever the, the details of those discussions are, the post can assume it's possible. They assume that that is possible. So if it's possible, and in fact, they even quoted Maril and Smak in the name of Rabbeinu Peretz, that Ben Siru was the son of Yermio and Avi uh, from uh, Ni'isha was in Sabra Bambatia. That that's, uh, so they, they, that there was a historical precedent of Nisabra Bambatia. That actually it's possible and it happened. Mishal Melech in the 15th paragraph of Ephesians says that's not possible. Uh, a woman only becomes pregnant from the force of a gemarbia. We assume that she can only become pregnant, pregnant with a gemarbia because there has to be a certain certain amount of force involved. So in the Sabbath Bambati, it doesn't happen. Meisenisim is literal. It's got to be a meisenisim. So even if the is in the acronym, is it possible? That Meisenisim is literal, or, 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 or is it possible that it's not literal? So, so several Achronim assume it doesn't have to be Meisenisim. But Mishal Mel seems to assume that if Rabbeinu Chanan says Meisenisim, it's got to be Meisenisim. So, where does that leave us? What do we pass on the do, you, do we do such a person on Shabbos? Do we not do such a person on Shabbos? So, Shlomo Zalman Arbach and Rav Shechter, Mari Rabbi Rav Shechter, hold we don't do such a Mila on Shabbos. That Rabbeinu Chanan is enough not to do Mila on Shabbos. The Yalkut Yosef in uh, the Kitzur Shulchan section on Mila, the original citation of the source, I saw an Otsar Brisi quotes from 
page Tuf Tuf Kuf Dalid, but it's I think there are different printings of it because in the one you have here it's not page Tuf Tuf Kuf Dalid, it's a different page, but it's not hard to find. I was able to find it in a matter of minutes. It's not hard to find. Yalkut uh, Yosef, and it's really Ravadia writes over here in this Shuvan Yabi Omer. He says that in his Ha'aros to the Sefer Nishma Savran, Dr. Abraham wrote the Sefer Nishma Savran and all that medical halacha. So Dr. Abraham was obviously very, very influenced by Shlomo Zalman. So he quoted Shlomo Zalman's Shita, and he says, Vamrli Hagon Rav Azriel Orbach, Nero Yershakim Pasak Allah Lamaisa Chama Vagon Rav Yosef Shalom Yashiv, Shalom Allah Bishabbos. Rav Yashiv also said not to do the Mila on Shabbos. Rav Azriel Orbach is pretty nice Yichus. He has. Shlomo Zalman is his father. His father-in-law is Rav Yashiv. So he said his father-in-law also agreed not to the meal on Shabbos. Did when I'm reading from Ravadia? When when I was uh, we, he said when I wrote Haaros to Sefer Nishma Savram, Ravadia writes Kasafti He's quoting himself. It's cute. Kasafti He says I wrote the following. Since the baby was born with a normal Leda, the meal is Docha Shabbos, Fechena, Din Lagabi, Tina, fine, etc. Then, uh, that, so Rav Shomel Zalman says, the, 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 you can do the meal. Rav Asher, Rav Asher Weiss, in that tshuva, says, I'll explain to you why I think you're allowed to do the meal on Shabbos. First of all, what's this whole thing based on? It's based on a pshat of Rabbeinu Chananel. What about Rashi? What about Taisus? What do they say? Well, they, they don't even explain the Gemara that way. The whole thing is based on a comment of Rabbeinu Chanan that the other Rishon, not a single other Rishon, reads the Gemara that way. That alone, says Rav Asher, can't convince me not to pass like Rabbeinu Chanan because it's well known that the other Rishonim, when they looked at Rabbeinu Chanan it was like uh, he was the Rosh for Rishon. He was the, you know, we often don't think of Rabbeinu Chanan that way because we learn Rashi, Rambam, you know, that's a... But the other Rishonim, when they looked at Rabbeinu Chanan the Rosh writes in a couple of places in Shas, called the Var of Divrei Kabbalah. Everything Rabbi Nachman says, Divrei Kabbalah. You have to. Rabbi Nachman is the uh, is the ultimate authority. So he says, I can't say that just because the other Rishonim argue Rabbi Nachman that we're going to reject it. But what I can tell you is, we have three ways of understanding Rabbi Nachman. Either that it had to be Meisanisim, or that it had to be Shalokiderech, or that it's just unconventional. And two out of those three ways don't apply to IVF. It's not Meisanisim. It's not Shalokiderech. It's just unconventional. So two out of the three interpretations of Rabbeinu Chananel, you're not even going to say this Chiddush. So aside from the fact that all the Rishonim argue Rabbeinu Chananel, even within Rabbeinu Chananel, we're not sure. So I saw on uh, somewhere on, on, on uh, the Pua website because I figured who's going to have stuff on this. That you know, you're familiar with uh, what Pua is. Pua, you should never know, but Pua is a uh, it's an organization that helps people. Uh, who have trouble conceiving, so it deals with all the halachic issues, and they raise money, and they help them with all sorts of uh, of, of of the kinds of help that's that's necessary in order for people to be able to have to have families, right? So uh, so in on the poor website, there was a tshuva from Rav. Who was it from? Not a tshuva, like a letter from uh, Rav Gidon Weitzman. And Rav Gidon Weitzman says that he asked Rav Yashiv this shaila. And Rav Yashiv said something strange to him. He said that uh, Rav Elchanan Wasserman um, wrote that insemination is a normative procedure and therefore it's not, you can't call it Nisan. So he says, that's difficult to assume that Rav Elchanan Wasserman wrote that it's a normative procedure because Rav Elchanan Wasserman was killed in the Holocaust. 
And the first uh, artificial insemination was on July 25th, 1978, which is more than 30 years after the Holocaust. So what did Rav Yashiv mean by that? Well, we know what he meant by that. He meant exactly what we just said before. That Rav Khanan writes in Kovit Shurim, which is amazing that they quote Kovit Shurim as like in a halachic context. Rav Khanan didn't even write Kovit Shurim. Right? It was, uh, was Kisvei Talmidim. They wrote up Kovit Shurim afterwards. And, I mean, they were very good Talmidim, very strong Talmidim, but they, they were high school age Talmidim. Baranovich was a high school, I mean, not a high school in Quebec, they weren't taking like AP chemistry, <laughs> but it was, uh, that, that, that's who it was. It was the Yeshiva Katan, it was for, for, younger, for younger guys. That's, um, I, I knew a Talmud Chachlan passed away a number of years ago, Rabbi Nyman from Lawrence, who used to dive in the shul. So uh, he, he wanted, he went to, to learn in Baranovich, and he was the oldest guy there. And he was, I don't know, like 18 or something. He was like one of the oldest guys there. So he, so he, he was by the Briskarov, and the Briskarov told him, uh, he said, I'm going to Branovich, I want to you know, meet Rav Khanan. I want to see Rav Khanan. So the Briskarov, he said, but I want to be able to learn with him. So he asked the Briskarov to write him a letter. So the Briskarov wrote him a letter, you know, saying how wonderful he was. So Rav Khanan saw the letter, Rav Khanan said, if he's that good, I'll learn with him. So he learned with him for four hours a day for four years. So that's not bad, right? He got a pretty good chavrusa. So, uh, so anyway, so the so so he said clearly what what Rav Yashiv meant is is what Rav Khan Wasserman write is what it says in Kovit Shurim that that it's Sholo Kederach and uh, and therefore it you can't call it Meisnisim anymore. Wait a second, Rav Zril Orbach is quoted in Yabia Omer that Rav Yashiv agrees with Rav Shlomazalman not to do the Milan Shabbos. <coughs> Rav Weitzman says I spoke to Rav Yashiv. He said. Like uh, Rav Khanan says, and it's normal nowadays, and therefore you do the Milan Shabbos. So apparently, Rav Yashiv changed his mind. So he says, you know, he, he could explain, but, but he said, Rav Yashiv distinguished between IUI and IVF. What's the difference between those two things? Familiar with these things? Okay, so there's a difference between when they take the zera and they sort of inject it into the woman, and that's how she got that's artificial insemination. Versus when they do uh, when they when they, they do in vitro fertilization, which is where they take the zera and they also take the egg of the woman, and outside of the body is where they is where the zera meets the egg, and then it gets put back in the woman. So in the case of artificial insemination, they're just taking the zera and putting it in the woman, and it happen, all happens inside the woman's body. Why the difference between the two? So there are two possible explanations. One possible explanation. So what Rabbi Yashiv told Rabbi Weitzman is. That IUI would be called normal. It would be, uh, and therefore, Tami Tamas Leda, you would do the Milan Shabbos. IVF, IV, IUI is where they inseminate into the woman. I, IVF is where it's done outside. IVF is not called normal. So why? So he says, I have two possible explanations what Rav Yashiv meant. <laughs> he says, one is maybe that when I asked him, IVF was still rare. So he was saying, like, Rav Khan, it's got to be something that's somewhat normal. Well, now IVF is very normal. So if it's normal, so then you can understand that the opinion is going to change. Or possibly, he says, that maybe it's his definition of kisazria, like you were saying before. If it happens outside of her body, you can't say she is mazria. But if it happens inside her body, you can say she is mazria. So where Rav Yashiv stands on this is not abundantly clear. Rav Yashiv could have gone one way or the other. Bottom line is, the guy was all nervous, came over to me, oh no, my baby's bris was on Shabbos, 
is this a problem? My four-year-old now, we're going to have to be, uh, you never want to have to do a second bris. That's not, not a good thing. It's a, first of all, be, if anyone finds out, he'll be made fun of relentlessly in school. But you never want to, want, to, want, to, want to have a second bris. It's not a comfortable thing to do. I once had a Shiloh, a guy called me up and he, he checked, he, 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 uh, he, he went on the OU website and he, to find out when his son's bar mitzvah was going to be. So you had to enter the time of day that your child was born and the date of his birth, what time, and, you know, the date and the exact time, and it tells you, shoots out his bar mitzvah. So... What? Oh, you were my shir when we had that shayla. Yeah. So the, 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 um, so the, it, it shot out a bar mitzvah date, and he said, wait a second, that bar mitzvah date's wrong. He wasn't born on that date. He was born, in fact, a day... Earlier than that, he wasn't born on that date. And then he said, "Oh, they, we did the bris a week later from the day we thought was the day he was born." It's telling me that based on the zmanim, we did the bris a day early. And now the kid—I mean, he was pretty young, so he was like five years old. We have a five-year-old. If you did a bris a day early, what do you do if you do a bris a day early? How tough is done bris? Because you did you, you, you did it wrong. He wasn't Chayv Emile yet. It turns out that they had just changed the time when they changed the clock. You know, they, they, they changed it by law, Congress changed it, and there was some mess up in the OU website that didn't account for that. So he was right the first time. And it was, it was just a matter, I don't know, I had a half a minute that maybe, or maybe checked, I have a story chat. We, we checked it out with you online. We, we kept on going on all the websites of all like the weather channels. Right, right. So we found it. We, we, so I had my uh, little minions working on it. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we figured it out in the end that we, 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 we found the right answer. But anyway, so let's say, let's say you hold like Rav Shefran or Shabbos and the Mila was done on Shabbos. This opens up a whole new, a whole new discussion. The Mila was done on Shabbos. Incorrectly, let's say. You hold like Mila should not have been done in Shabbos. Now what? Do you do a Tavis Dambris? Does it necessarily mean you do a Tavis Dambris? So I was trying to think, what's a parallel case? Because this is not like doing a Mila early. A Mila early, there's no Mitzvah's Mila yet. This is not doing a Mila early. This is after the, the Zman Mila has arrived, but you're not allowed to do the Mila. What would be a parallel case to this? By Mila. So take any Mila that's not Docha Shabbos, like a C-section, and what happens if they do the meal on Shabbos? Someone, I never learned that halacha. I didn't know C-section. The mobile asked, was everything normal? I said, yeah, everything was normal because C-sections are pretty normal. My doctor does it all the time to avoid lawsuits. So is that, you know, so is, 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 that, uh, is that okay? Or do you have to do a tough dumbbells in that situation? So I opened up a shulchan aruch, I figured, of course it's going to be there. It's got to be black and white. It's a pretty basic question. You're not allowed to do the meal on Shabbos. What if you do? It's not there. I couldn't believe it. I thought it would be in Shulchan Aruch. That has to be in Shulchan Aruch. Not in Shulchan Aruch. Pischit Shuva quotes a discussion about this in Rabbi Kivegin. Rabbi Kivegin and Reish Ayin Dalit. In the Tshuva, in, in, in Kuf Ayin Dalit, rather, in the Tshuva, discusses this. And uh, he discussed it from the following angle. There is a concept. If you know one Gemara in Masechus Temura, which is usually about as many Gemaras in Masechus Temura as uh, one's maximum limit is, but uh, one Gemara in Masechus Temura is that Gemara. The Gemara Temura Davdalid, anything that anytime the Torah tells you don't do something, it's not just telling you don't do it, it's saying Iavid Lomahani. That if you do it, you, you're not empowered to make it work. That's what Iavid Lomahani is. 
So Rukivega discusses, if you're not allowed to do this Mila on Shabbos, maybe it doesn't count. It's not a Mila. And therefore you can eat a Tavis Dambris. <coughs> so Rukivega discusses, what if someone shechted an animal on Shabbos? Fascinating. They did a proper Shechita. Do you say it's not, it's not shechted, it's not kosher? Do you say it is shechted? So he says, in that case, it is shechted. Yavad Mahani. Ah, it's Nisidar Raisa, why don't we say Yavad Lo Mahani? So the Kinevi says like this, brilliant. He says, because when do we say Yavad Lo Mahani? If by <coughs> saying that it didn't work, it's going to save you from the Yisr. It will make it now that you didn't really do the Yisr. Because by saying that, look, you didn't have the, the power to make the Chalos happen... So therefore, it turns out retroactively that the Yisr is not, is not really an Yisr. If you shechted on Shabbos, you did a tikkun of the behemoth, because you took away the Yisr from Menachai. So but automatically there's a tikkun. So it was a Maitzah Shechita done, B'derach Mesakein, which you're chayyav for on Shabbos. And saying Loma Hani doesn't help. It will make it that it's not a Kashra Shechita, but it's still not Eivr Menachai. So you still did something to the animal. So there we're going to say Yavad Mahani because there's no benefit in saying Yavad Mahani. But by Mila, says Rabbi Vegar, if you say that the Mila was Yavad Mahani, that it was Chal, as a good Mila, then it turns out you're Machal Shabbos because you're Masakin the person. That's a Malacha with, 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 uh, with Derech when you're Masakin the person. But if you say Yavad Lomahani, it will turn out that you just assaulted the person. I mean, you didn't really do anything good for the person at all. You just cut him. And that's not good. So saying Yavalomani actually saved you from Lachat. Mekal becomes Mekalkal Bechabura. And Mekalkal Bechabura is Pater. So if you hold Mekalkal Bechabura is Pater, you, you actually were destructive to the person by making that cut. If you say Lomani. So we're going to say Lomani over here, says Rabbi Vegar. So the meal is no good, so you need to have Wow. So that would mean if you hold the Kavshach and Rosh and you really stick to your guns. You're going to say that, you got to tell this guy he needs to have a <coughs> However, um, I asked Rav Shechter, he said, no, you don't need to have a He's not familiar with Rebekah Vegar. Rebekah Vegar is saying this way. Truth is, I didn't read the Rebekah Vegar to the end. Pistachi Chuvah says that in the end he changes his mind. So, uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Whenever Rav Shechter says, I don't remember that. It's always like, oh, we was you idiot. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> it's, it's never because he doesn't remember. It's always, you know, I always messed up. So, but he said that, uh, that he remembers that the Minchaschinach says this. Minchaschinach, not from the angle of the Yavad Mahani. Minchaschinach has that same discussion word for word with the Yavad Mahani. I looked it up. But then he goes on to a different, uh, a different angle. And in Chaschinuch, in Mitzvah Beis, he said that Rav Salvechik at one point, one Tukufa, decided that every Thursday, instead of saying regular Shir, he was going to say Min Chaschinuch Shir. And it lasted for about three weeks, and then he stopped. So they got to Mitzvah's Mila. Mitzvah's Mila was the second Mitzvah. So he said that he remembers that when, when they were doing Mitzvah's Mila, with Rav Salvechik, Min Chaschinuch says like this, in uh, Mitzvah Beis, Oz Tezayin, Gam Ef Shalomar, that if you do the Mila Shalobizmana on Shabbos, it's a mitzvah Babavera. And what's Allah by Mitzvah Babavera? Imakaim the mitzvah? No, no kima mitzvah. Ulaosin shitos to svirlu, mitzvah babavera minatora ino yotse. Those shitos that hold that midal raisa you're not yotse in a mitzvah babaverim, kenavalik nimo bipsul, mitzarachlatif dam bris. So this mila is bipsul and you have to do atavas dam bris. 
V'afilu l'shitas ha-tosos, sukadav tesa medalif, derak midrabanan lo yatsa. And even if you want to say like Tosos, that Mitzvah Baba Avera only passes Midrabanan, Mikomak Midrabanan, Tzarechat of Dambris. You still need Atav Dambris, just call it Atav Dambris Midrabanan, instead of Atav Dambris Midrabanan, you still got to do it. Ki'ilu nimo belaylu, chadom los and shitos, Mitzarechim. So he said, he remembers of Salvation, when he read that Minchastinuch, he was very upset by it. He disagreed entirely. He thought that he did not need a tafas dambris. He did a meisim mila. The mila is a kasher mila. He just did it at a bad time, and that it does not require tafas dambris. Rav Shach said that he would never, he would not say in this case, not because he thinks that uh, Rav Asher Weiss is right, but he does not think that you should require uh, that you should require a tafas dambris in this case. Rav Salvechik had a particular fondness for Minchas Kinuch. Rav Shach used to tell us that when Rav Salvechik was a little boy, he used to read Minchas Kinuch under his covers when his mother told him to go to sleep. So before his bar mitzvah, like most of us, right? Before his bar mitzvah, he finished the entire Minchas Chinuch. Um, which Rav Shatzah said, if you think about it, it's kind of impressive. Because Minchas Chinuch talks about a lot of topics. If, I mean, for me, I, I have kids that are around bar mitzvah age. I, even the easiest topic, if the kid can make, you know, knows which way to hold a Minchas Chinuch, knows where to find it on the shelf, I'd be, I'd be impressed. You can read the front cover, you know? But he read the whole Minchas, the whole Minchas Chinuch before his Bar Mitzvah. It's pretty impressive. He said, it, you know, most Rashi Yeshivas, they know Ketos and Nesivas much better than they know Minchas Chinuch. Of Salvejik knew Minchas Chinuch much better than he knew Ketos and Nesivas. Like, that was his gears to the Yankas. Yeah. With that whole Sparrow, he's saying that it was, a, it was just a meal just done at a bad time. But that's like saying, like, what if I do a meal on the seventh day? No, because that's before the Chiv says it. This is already after the chiv is already is already there. So once the chiv is there, then it's a had that child also with a doctor in a hospital um, that uh, an OBGYN, and they a lot of times the non-religious patients will take the baby, and that's it. So, but they would they would allow the doctor to do a circumcision. So she has to try to ask them. First of all, she was asking me time that she's a woman, so should she be doing a mila and should she be saying a bracha if she's doing a mila? It was also an interesting shaila. It's a pasuk in Chumash, right? Sipora. So the uh, but the the, the uh, she has to try to encourage them to wait till the zman. Like I'm happy to do it. Let's wait till the baby's a little older. She, she could say a little bit stronger. You know, eight days, a little bit older. We uh, instead of putting him through the trauma right now, whatever it might be, whatever excuse we can come up with. Well, what was the logic of not requiring? What was the logic of not requiring to? Because it was a kashra meal. It was just done at a time that you weren't allowed to do it. Similar to shechita. No, not like Rabbi Kivager. I have to look at the end of that shuva. I didn't look at the end. I only photocopied that one page. So I have to look at the end of that shuva. Because the shuva says he changes his mind in the end. Yeah. Uh, it depends who you ask. Rav Asher Weiss thinks for sure, yes, it can be done on Shabbos. Rav Zalman and Rav Shechter said no. And Rav Adi says yes. Rav Adi says to do it on Shabbos. That has to, you either hold it has to be or you hold it can't be. Right, there's no, uh, yeah. Um, the, the end of the Shabbos also. Like, what oh, what if you hold one way? That's a little more complicated. We once had a discussion about that with the Moel, the, the Ben Eretz Yisrael, Ben Chutzlar, it was in Eretz Yisrael, and it was Yom Tov Sheni. So Maishla wanted to do the bris, and the Eretz Yisrael, the Gamayel, wanted to do the bris, and Yom Tov Sheni, and the Bnei Chutzlar would say, it's Yom Tov for us, we're holding it, and it was a Mila Shalabazmana. You can't do it on Yom Tov. 
So he said, sure I can. <laughs> I have no problem. Ben Eretz Yisrael. So who does it go by? Is it, uh, is it the shlichus of the father? Pashas is by the mother. Because he's not really working me in shlichus of the kamosa of the father. So pashas is by the mother. Although whether you need shlichus by Mila, whether shlichus makes sense, but it's a fascinating sugya, an important kitsos. But okay, so it's a little much for... Uh, Right. Meaning, but, but now, you, know, it, you wouldn't say in that case. That's what I'm saying. I mean, even if it is mitam shlichus, you wouldn't say you wouldn't say that's far. What about the child? I mean, the child presumably follows the father's minach. Is he doing, or is he like their initial chinuch? Right. There's no chinuch, but I, I hear I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Also, just my focus in regards to the I know whether over every second, in the thing was, right? Is he only over every second from after Bar Mitzvah every day after the initial? So for him himself, his own Nisr is only once his Bar Mitzvah, but the father's uh, over Nisr Karis. That's a Machlok's Ram exactly how the uh, Isra plays out. All right. So we got to the Shailas. We'll work on a different time. <laughs>